You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. This is Matt Warren, editor-in-chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and the host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. The Buffalo Bills lost a heartbreaker to the Arizona Cardinals on Sunday when DeAndre Hopkins plucked the ball out of the air on a Hail Mary pass over the top of Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer with Micah Hyatt hanging on his back. It was a great play, but it doesn't overshadow all the other good things and bad things that happened against Arizona. So we're going to get into that here in a second as the Buffalo Bills head into their bye week at 7-3 and and leading the AFC East as the number three seed in the American Football Conference. As always, you can send in your questions for next week's episode, and it's the bye week, so we'll need questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. Please call and leave a voicemail. It's always great to have other voices on this podcast. You can tweet us at Rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Leave us Facebook messages or Instagram messages on the regular Buffalo Rumblings account, and those will get to me. You can email Rumblings at sbnation.com. Put uh, Rumblings Q&A in the subject line and I'll get it as well. Lots of ways to get in touch with the show. Send me your questions for next week as the Bills do some self-scouting over the bye. We'll do the same thing here at Rumblings Q&A. As always during the season, we start our podcast with my takeaways from the game and they were plentiful. You know, I write these during the game so that, you know, I can kind of Uh, button them up at the end of the game and publish them in a timely manner so folks have a place to sort of react in our comment section. And with whatever it was, 34 seconds left, I wrote that um, what a throw and what a catch. Josh Allen found Stefan Diggs for a long touchdown. It was a beautiful throw, an even better catch uh, by Diggs tumbling to the ground, rolling over on his body so the ball wouldn't contact the ground. It was just a really great play and a really good drive for the Bills to score that late in the game as well. Cole Beasley came up big in that drive and every drive. The guy is just been so automatic, such a clutch performer for the Bills, especially after John Brown went out with his uh, leg injury. So uh, he gets an honorable mention, what a catch, because of his one-handed grab to move the chains for the Bills on that drive. But Stephon Diggs catching that touchdown pass should be the highlight that's being played all over ESPN and NFL Network this week. It was an absolute stud play by the Bills, Josh Allen, and Stephon Diggs. And then, of course, it was usurped by DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray uh, catching and throwing the Hale Murray touchdown to put the Cardinals ahead with two seconds left. So it was just very interesting how those two big haymakers came right at the end of the game, both with receivers that were traded for this offseason, both with young high first round pick quarterbacks. It was 
it was an exciting game to watch. And if I wasn't a fan of the Bills, I probably would have loved the ending of that Bills Cardinals game. Uh, so <laughs> obviously, I am a Bills fan, so I didn't love it as much as other people. That being said, there were a couple of mistakes that ultimately cost the Bills significantly in this game. Josh Allen got away with two passes that probably should have been intercepted, but he didn't get away with the third or fourth interceptable ball. The third quarter has been a bugaboo for this Bills team really since you know forever, since Sean McDermott has been here, uh, since Josh Allen has been here, certainly. And uh, he tried playing hero ball again this week, and you saw him pressing a little bit. Um, he threw a really bad screen pass to Devin Singletary, too, that's not even in these four, quote, interceptable balls. So it was an ill-advised pass into the middle of the field, and Singletary turned turned it into something. But it, it just goes back to that Tyler Croft interception earlier in the season where he just kind of chucked it up and hoped that Croft would be able to come down with it. You know, there's just a lot of those kind of passes that really don't have any business being thrown in the middle of games. Uh, he needed to be better today, Josh Allen, that is. And, uh, you know, obviously we can't put it on his shoulders every single week. We can't be like, you know, go out and throw for 350 yards and, and four touchdowns every week, Josh, or else this team isn't going to win. There are obviously other places that you know, had deficiencies this week as well. But um, he definitely could have been better uh, this week. Uh, Kyler Murray comes through. Uh, the second-year quarterback had just one interception, and it was on a deflected pass. Other than that, than that, he was very effective. Um, he had 453 yards of, or the Arizona had 453 yards of offense, and Murray had 306 of them. So it was uh, interesting to watch another quarterback, another young quarterback, playing against the Bills this week. The Bills' defense limiting the Cardinals to field goals has been, you know. Something, of course, they used against Arizona, but they've also used it against, say, the Kansas City Chiefs and other high-powered offenses. You know, letting the Cardinals drive the length of the field, but being able to stop them and hold them to field goals was really key to keeping the Bills in the game. You know, three times in the first half, the Cardinals drove into Bills territory, and three times they held them to field goals. So um, even after a 13-yard punt from Corey Bohorquez, which, woof, 13-yard punt by Corey Bohorquez, the Bills didn't allow a touchdown even on that drive. They um, they held the Cardinals to a field goal, so that was pretty nice. Tyler Bass, man, what a great game from Tyler Bass. He became the first kicker in NFL history to kick three 50-yard field goals in one quarter. Uh, he hit from 54, 55, and 58 in the second quarter uh, to give the Bills nine points, of course. And uh, that's the reason they kept him. Uh, they kept him for his big leg. And, I mean, those kicks would have all been good from at least 60. You know, he has power in that leg. You can hear it when he strikes the ball. And you can hear it when the ball ricochets off the, the goalpost because it thwangs pretty hard. Um, so that's why they kept him over Stephen Hauschka. They trusted him over 50 yards where they didn't trust Hauschka over 50 yards anymore. And I think it's paying off. You know, rookie kickers take some time to acclimate. We've seen that over and over again. And I'm personally glad that they've stuck with Tyler Bass, even through those growing pains. Sean McDermott has really impressed me with his clock management and his aggressiveness with clock management this season. And it was on full display at the end of the first half uh, with, 
with a, a minute 24 seconds left, the Bills got the ball back, but it was around the two-minute warning where they started calling timeouts uh, because the Cardinals were deep in Bills' territory. So McDermott, in his brain, is thinking, well, they're either going to score quickly or take a long time to score. You know, we can get the ball back with enough time for the Bills to go down and do something, and th- that's exactly what happened. Um, I think in the past, a more conservative Sean McDermott would have just been content to let the clock run out at the end of the first half and not put the ball in Josh Allen's hands and risk a turnover, but they were aggressive and it really worked. They also did um, a really nice job in the second half at the end of the fourth quarter, going from 3.36 down to 39 seconds left. Now, ultimately, that proved to be too much time left on the clock, but, uh, you know, may, uh, are you really going to argue? I, I thought they did a really nice job driving down the field um, in three minutes to score the go-ahead touchdown. I mean, yeah, they could have done it with three seconds left instead of 39 seconds left. Um, but, I mean, again, great pitch and catch from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs. Um, I am now officially worried about the running game. It has been in my takeaway column seemingly every single week. Um, there were only 35 yards from the running backs this Sunday. Zach Moss finished with 20 yards and seven carries. Devin Singletary, 15 yards on four carries. Uh, that's not great. That's 3.18 yards per carry. Not very good at all. If it was, you know, six yards a carry and they're only getting 36 yards on six carries, that's one thing. But just consistently not being able to find space in the run game. And especially because you have Mitch Morse on the sideline as apparently a healthy scratch, we Still don't have a great answer for that. Mitch um, Sean McDermott said Mitch Morris was not benched. They just wanted to go with the momentum of the guys that they had on the field. And if the momentum of the guys that you have on the field is getting you three yards a carry, that sucks. So do better than that and put Mitch Morris on the field if he's not hurt. So we're still getting mixed messages there. Not really sure what happened with that. If if we come out of the bye week and Mitch Morris isn't you know the starting center of this team, there's going to be some legitimate questions about you know, roster building and what the heck is going on. So, I mean, I'll, I'll leave it at that for now, but the running game has been terrible. It starts up front, but just, I mean, they've invested two third round picks in their running back room and it's not going great. Brian Dable though is going pretty great. Um, last week, because the bills have been running so much with Josh Allen in on short yard situations, they built in a pop pass Gabe Davis for a touchdown against the Seahawks. So Allen took it, uh, faked the run, and then pulled up and just lobbed it over the top to um, Gabe Davis for a touchdown. This week, they had been using the jet sweep so much that folks had kind of been lulled into going left and right with Isaiah McKenzie in that jet sweep action. And he had been stopped on you know some important plays in the past couple weeks, so they added a new wrinkle to it. And uh, McKenzie did a throwback to Josh Allen, who, you know, put on some wiggle and scored the first touchdown of the game. It was really nice to see Brian Dable continuing to keep off uh, defenses guessing with his offensive play calling. And it's going to increase the effectiveness of the jet sweep to have that in the back of people's minds. It's going to increase the effectiveness of Josh Allen's run if there's that pop pass option, which is why it's there. It just creates pause for a linebacker or a defensive end, and that might be enough to get daylight to score when you do go back to the uh, quarterback draw or you do go back to the jet sweep. So uh, 
if if you're still one of those folks that is complaining about Brian Dable, I think you're just not paying attention. And I, I really, really like what he's been able to do as Bill's offensive coordinator. And I put this last takeaway in there just at the very end. Watch out for Miami. You know, the, the Dolphins are six and three. They can tie the Bills this week at seven and three while the Bills are on their bye. Um, Buffalo would still be in the lead based on their head-to-head win over Miami and their division record. But, you know, the, the Dolphins are going to be playing the Broncos maybe without Drew Locke this week, too. So it's going to be a shorthanded Broncos team. And, you know, the Dolphins have won five straight games at this point. If they somehow can rattle off enough wins to to take the division, it'll be a really miraculous run from the Miami Dolphins, winning, you know, seven, eight, nine games in a row, maybe going like 10 and one down the stretch or, or you know, 11 and one down the stretch. That would be pretty remarkable uh, turnaround for the Miami Dolphins. I don't think that's likely to happen. I still think the Bills are, you know, the, the likely winner of the AFC East just because I think that the Dolphins' you know, method of winning and the run that they've been on is unsustainable. Uh, with you know a lot of turnovers, with a lot of big plays from their defense and kind of a mediocre offense, I think it's unsustainable. Plus, just the sheer numbers of it all, winning you know ten out of eleven games, or, or, or just some ridiculous streak like that. You know, great teams don't even win ten out of eleven games. Teams that change their quarterback in the middle of a season don't typically do that. So, I'm still looking at the Bills as the favorite in the AFC East, and. Um, I think the numbers bear that out. When we get back from this quick break, we'll get to your questions. Don't go anywhere. Jack asks us, does our personnel in the secondary have a weakness with big physical receivers? We don't have anyone to match up with somebody like Hopkins, Mike Evans in a jump ball situation, and we still play Claypool and Mike Williams could also use for covering tight ends. Well, I mean, part of the reason that those guys are on the list is that they're physical freaks, and so it takes physical freaks to cover them. I think the Bills do need to upgrade at cornerback this offseason, but at the same time, they were out Josh Norman and Levi Wallace this week, then they lost Dane Jackson, and they were down to Daryl Worley. Uh, I thought the secondary played very admirably for losing half the guy, half their starters this week due to the COVID nineteen restrictions. So, I mean, if you're talking about that one play at the end of the game, I thought Trey was right there and had his hand on the ball. Hyde was right there. Poyer was almost right there, and I, I don't think that that's something that's going to limit them, you know, in a game in game out situation. Uh, It was a freak play by DeAndre Hopkins, and I think we just need to chalk it up that way. I don't think it's something that is a problem for them in perpetuity, I guess is the right way to say it. Thanks for your question over on Twitter, at Rumlings Q&A. That was Jack. David asks us, how do they fix the run game? Is is it as simple as the O-line being healthy? I got into this in the first segment a little bit. I don't know what the heck they were doing with Mitch Morris riding the pine. You know, they paid him so much money to be the center. They love John Feliciano clearly, but that doesn't mean that you're going to keep Ike Bucker on the field so John Feliciano can be your center. I just I don't think that's the right way to go. Um, I think Brian Winters has been subpar this year as well. So uh, I don't know how they fix the run game during the season. 
I know that they need to probably upgrade at that um, guard position this offseason, especially if Cody Ford doesn't like, you know, click in. But they also have, you know, right tackle is going to be a free agent. Daryl Williams is set to become a free agent this offseason. They just they're going to have problems on that offensive line, even this offseason. So how do you fix the run game? I, I don't know if it's the O-line being healthy, David. Um, I mean, that would certainly help if Cody Ford and Mitch Morris were both 100 percent and in there, in my opinion. Um, but uh, it could just be that the Bills want to be a passing team, and so they want a different type of offensive lineman in the game. They want somebody who can move a little bit better and instead of, you know, a road grader, and that's why they got rid of a guy like Quentin Spain. But Morse can do that. So, again, I don't understand why he wasn't in the game this week, and I'm sure that's going to be a topic of conversation going forward. Rory asks, should the defense have put a big wide receiver in the end zone to defend the Hail Mary at the end? I have to wonder if Diggs or Davis are naturally better at high pointing. Moss used to go out and defend for those. Yeah, that's true. But with 11 seconds in the game, I don't think that the Bills were necessarily playing for a Hail Mary. They were playing, you know, they even went with Larry Fitzgerald in, I guess, the intermediate zone of the field, 15, 20 yards down the field. You know, they were expecting something to get a chunk of yardage first and then a shot at the end zone, not necessarily a shot at the end zone with 11 seconds left. Now, um, maybe the better way to do that would be to jam DeAndre Hopkins at the line with Tredavious White and not let him get a free look at the end zone. And, you know, they did bracket him. They had Micah Hyde over the top and Tredavious White on him. So, I mean, two Pro Bowl players, White and All-Pro, and, you know, they double-teamed DeAndre Hopkins and still that happened the way it happened. Uh, Maybe... Diggs would have been better at high-pointing it, but, I mean, go back and watch the replay. White is right there. Uh, Hyde is right there. Those guys were high-pointing the ball pretty darn well. It just, you know, I, I kept seeing something like a that had a 17% chance of being completed, according to ESPN Stats and Info. I find that so unbelievably hard to believe. He had, you know, an inch or two on White and Hyde, and, you know, just he had to snatch that ball and not let it move even with all the traffic and everything else that was there. So it was a freak play. I don't know if they were anticipating the Hail Mary with 11 seconds left. Um, You know, if it was four seconds left, maybe. But even then, I don't know if I want Gabe Davis out there necessarily high-pointing it either. So, I mean, I, I understand the sentiment. It's just not how I would necessarily have wanted that game to end either. Um, Randy Moss was a freak athlete, and so putting him out there, or putting DeAndre Hopkins out there, if you had DeAndre Hopkins on your team, that makes sense because those guys are freaky and they can get up and have super long arms and good hands, but the rest of it, I don't know. Uh, so that that's not something I have thought twice about since the game ended. Thanks for your question, Rory, on Twitter, at RumlingsQ&A. John asks us, would you have been happy at the beginning of the year if someone had told you that the Bills would be 7-3 and three heading and leading the division at Week 10? Yeah, I think I would have been happy. I expected the Bills to take a step back this year record-wise, and right now they're at least tracking to beat their record from last year. Um, this schedule's tough. I also would have expected the Dolphins to be a lot worse than they are. You know, I did not expect them to beat the 49ers or the Cardinals, Um, or really a lot of the other teams that they've been beating. I knew they would be better. I just didn't expect them to be, you know, six and three. So I would have been happy at the beginning of the year at seven and three. Um, I'm happy now at seven and three, 
but I would much rather be eight and two or ten and zero. <laughs> um, I'm glad that they showed that they can play good teams and beat good teams with the Seahawks. Um, if they had just you know, say they had played the Seahawks tough and they were at six and four right now, um, and they had you know the loss to the Tennessee Titans, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, you would think that this team wasn't a big game team that they couldn't get up and beat or play with the you know, best of the best. And I don't feel that right now at seven and three. I don't feel like they can't play with anybody. I feel like they can play with anybody. I feel like they can win any single week that they you know go out and kick off the football. So I, I'm definitely not in despair. I know a lot of Bills fans are really disappointed right now. Um, you know, if somebody had told you that the Bills would be seven and three and leading the division at week 10, would you be happy? Yeah. And I'm happy now. So I just, it, again, it, NFL teams lose games. And so that game against the Cardinals is just one you chalk up and move on from, I think. Maybe you can learn from it. Um, but like, uh, is Corey Bohorquez going to punt better than a 13-yard punt in his own territory because the Bills lost this game? No. So like sometimes just weird stuff happens. Ryder sends us an email. How do you think the Bills will use the bye week time to prepare for their final six games? And do you think that everyone will come back healthy? I'll start with that last part. They're still going to be without Matt Milano for at least two more games. And that's disappointing because I think he's a great player and really changes what they're able to do on defense. So that's something that, I mean, they're not going to be fully healthy. Uh, Josh Norman should be healthy coming back. Uh, Levi Wallace and Tyler Croft and... Who's the other one? Dean Marlowe should all be able to come off the COVID list this week. Um, maybe Norman might be on there for another week, depending on if he's symptomatic or not. But the Bills should be you know, pretty close to healthy coming out of this. Um, Ed Oliver's injury should be behind him. Tremaine Edmonds' injury should be behind him. Josh Allen's injury should be behind him. So it's, a, it's an ideal time for the Bills on the injury report. I'm really hopeful that John Brown can put those nagging leg injuries behind him calf, knee, and now ankle, I guess, according to Sean McDermott. Um, give him a week and a half off as far as I'm concerned. Have him come back like next Friday. Um, but getting John Brown back fully healthy would be uh, super great. Uh, John Feliciano was limited all week last week. We need him healthy. Same with Cody Ford. Like, Just you look down the list, and so many of these guys should be healthy, um, fully healthy by the time the Bills get back from their break. You know, Tredavious White, Micah Hyde. Mario Addison, all the guys that were on the injury list this past week, you know, there there's very few of them that are going to be not healthy coming back, like Delshawn Phillips, who I think they put on IR. So I think I went through like the healthy part of it. I think they're going to be mostly healthy, but they're still going to be missing Matt Milano. Uh, but what should the Bills do over the bye week to prepare for the final six games? They need to figure out what they want their offensive line rotation to be. I mean, that's just number one at the top of the list. And hopefully that can jumpstart the running game. Obviously, they don't need it to continue to play action pass because they've been doing that very successfully all season. But it would be nice if the Bills offensive line was settled over the bye week. They've just had so many moving pieces all year because of Feliciano's injury at the beginning of the year, because then other guys started going down with injuries, whether it's Cody Ford and then Quentin Spain getting um, taken out of the lineup and, and released. Like they just they need to get settled on the offensive line. On defense, 
I don't really know how they improve their front four play. They've thrown a bunch of money and a bunch of draft picks at it over the course of the last couple of years, and it just still leaves something to be desired. They can do some self-scouting with that, maybe um, figure out what types of stunts have been working, but that really is a game-to-game thing against the offensive lines that they're seeing. So, um, you know, getting Edmonds back healthy with his shoulder, I think he's proven that he was hurt earlier in this year and it was really affecting his game. But um, you know, continuing to figure out how to use A.J. Klein uh, might be another thing that they can do on defense uh, to to get a little bit better there. But you know, figuring out the offensive line and the running game, I think, is number one. And then figuring out what they can do on the defensive line to improve their defensive line play with the defensive tackles and defensive ends is the number two thing for me. And I think they can do both of those things. I mean, Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier are are proven coaches in this league at you know, generating pass rush. They've got um, they've got the horses in the barn to do it. They just have to be able to do it on both sides of the ball. Really, they've invested plenty in in those two areas, and that's really something that they need to do. They also need to figure out um, more of that thing that I talked about earlier with Brian Dable, the counters to their offense. Like, what are the tells on their offense, and how can they counter that before a opponents do that you know you saw it a little bit this week with the cardinals starting to react to that cover zero screen pass to john brown they changed it from gold to pearl this week the bills did um and then even then the cardinals were able to shut it down they were expecting it so you know what can you do to defend against that is it a double screen where you fake it to john brown on one side and then the tight end leaks out on the other side there's a couple different ways uh to to go about doing that but you know, you can't just keep relying on that one play that we highlighted at buffalorumblings.com a week and a half ago now. You can't keep relying on that play over and over again because teams are going to start responding to that once they see it on tape in multiple games. And now it is on tape in at least three or four games this season. So just those you know normal self-scouting things. Um, I think the Bills have a nice chance of putting together a really good run here towards the end of the season. And you know they've been able to switch it up with different players, you know, picking up the mantle each week and Stefan Diggs getting his every week, Cole Beasley being able to get his every week. So getting those guys back healthy, as you talked about doing the self scouting, I think is going to go a long way uh, to help the bills this week. Thanks for your question over on our email, Buffalo rumblings at SBNation.com. As always, you can get in your questions for next week's episode at 716-508-0405. I love hearing other voices on this podcast. Please give me a call. Leave a message for our bi-week episode. Email us, buffalorumblings at spnation.com. Tweet us, rumblings Q&A. That's with the word and spelled out in the middle. Instagram and Facebook messages work as well. There's lots of ways to get in touch with the show and ask your questions for next week as the Bills hopefully get healthy and get right to head into the final stretch run of the 2020 season. If you like this podcast or any podcast on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network, make sure you tell a friend about it. It's the best way to spread the word is with that kind of direct endorsement. As always, go Bills. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. 
And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.